It's time to fire up the three-cylinder star drive, the show that sputters along, touring a galaxy of pop culture and fanboy fiction. And now, here are your hosts, Richard Coots and Roger Colby. Hey, welcome to Three Cylinders Star Drive. And this is, yeah, say that time five times fast. Uh, and this is Roger Colby. I'm Richard Coots. And, um, you know, we're here to talk to you about uh, all things sci-fi. Today, what we're going to talk about is... Eleven twenty two sixty three. Now it's not uh, my locker combination, but it is, however, a great science fiction, fantasy horror book. Uh, it was turned into a series, mm-hmm. right? On Hulu. Right. Um, so uh, here's the thing. You know, one of the things that Richard and I share in common, and the reason we talk about this stuff about video and renting things on DVD, is because. Um, Basically, both of us have really crappy internet at home. Yeah, you know, I, I do. I've got, like, you know, broadband. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really like uh, the fact that I have only, like, so much per month that I can use before they cut me off. <laughs> it's really slow as it is. I mean, it's like three megs per second or something. Three megabits per second or something like that or five. So... I'm not getting really good speed. I am able to stream things, but mm-hmm. it's it's difficult anyway. You're yeah, saying. I got yeah, I've got uh, unlimited data, uh, unlimited data, uh, Wi-Fi service, but it fluctuates. The speed fluctuates, so it's not always good. I can't always watch Hulu without constant buffering, and yeah, the picture yeah the picture on like Amazon and Netflix kind of. Uh, goes back and forth between really blurry and really good. Yeah. So. so that's why we like to go to the video store and rent things, you know. And um, yeah, I'm an avid reader. I read all the time. Um, and so, you know, I hadn't read a Stephen King book in a long time uh, when I picked up 112263, but I'd heard people talking about it, and I was interested in the Kennedy era anyway. So I picked up the book. I read it. Um, had a little bit too much gratuitous sexual stuff in it that I could care for. But the rest of the book was so well researched as far as what it was like to live in uh, from 1957 to 1963, um, which the premise of the book, if you're not familiar with it, the premise is that um, this guy, he's uh, this English teacher, um, he finds out from a local diner owner that there's a portal to 1957 in his closet of his diner. And so he goes through there and... Um, the, 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 the owner, he knows him real well, um, and uh, the guy's got lung cancer, and he tells him that he, you know, he tells him about the portal, he sends him through the portal and to show him, and then he's like, you got to go back and stop the Kennedy assassination. So the whole premise of the book is that he's going back in time to stop the Kennedy assassination, um, but time is what he says is, is obdurate. Time doesn't want to be stopped, and it always throws things in your way to stop you. So I finished the book, and I was talking to Richard about it. I was like, dude, the book is so good. And he's like, well, they're coming out with the series about the book on Hulu. And I'm like, oh, I don't have Hulu, and I'm not going to throw down the eight ninety nine a month. I mean, I'm cheap. I'm not going to throw that down. I'd rather just wait if it comes out on DVD or something. But Richard watched it on Hulu. Uh, I rented it from the dollar bin at our favorite family video and watched it. Um, so let's talk about the differences between the book and the film, it's always difficult, right, mm-hmm. when you are going to take a movie, going to make a film or make a series off of a book. 
because you're not going to get everything right. But I think they nailed it with this, honestly. But anyway, so what drew you to watching it? Uh, I'm just a big fan of uh, time-traveling films, mm-hmm. and I, I'm also kind of interested in that era. Um, and uh, it's also kind of... Uh, I also like James Franco, even though he's kind of like this huge weirdo. Uh, <laughs> he made, you know he made a movie about... Uh, a movie called As I Lay Dying, about where William Faulkner's book, As I Lay Dying, and um, it's probably the most difficult book to translate to film. And he did, he did an okay job. He is a kind of a weirdo. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, this movie is really a good... It is. It's, really it's, it's excellent. Um, and Roger has read the book. I haven't read the book, but I watched the series. And so, and apparently one of the biggest things, differences in the series and the book is they've cut out pretty much all the sexual stuff that he's <laughs> yeah. talking about. Yeah, there's like a whole almost three pages of a sex scene in that book, which I just skipped over. You know, I don't want to read that. But anyway, um, you know, I'm not a Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> I'm going to read that. But uh, but it was, otherwise, it's a great book. And it, I felt that one of the things we can talk about is time, we can talk about this time travel, because you know the thing about time travel mm-hmm. in stories is there's always that paradox problem, mm-hmm. you know, that always pops up. I mean, it's there in Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. It's there in, you know, pretty much every science fiction story. I think Stephen King has basically, his choice for what, the way he does time travel completely fixes that. Because every time you go back in time, you only go back to that one spot. And every time you go back the next time, if you, if you come back to the future and then go back again, it resets everything exactly the way it was. So that's a really good way, and it's a clever way of figuring out how to deal with the time travel. Now, as I mentioned before, I'm a writer, so I kind of look at stories from a writer's perspective. I kind of look at them like, okay, well, how is this going to work, or how is it going to translate, you know? So um, anyway, so uh, another thing. So what did you think about? Do you think there's any paradoxes in the story? I think that really does a good job of nailing down the paradox. Did you have any problems with the story? You know what? No, I really didn't. Um, I didn't really find anything, uh, like, really, I couldn't find any plot holes. Right. Uh, as far as, you know, the whole uh, dynamics of how he time travels mm-hmm. and everything. Although, the way he time travels is kind of strange. It is uh, very strange. It, it's I mean, never really explained. It's not explained. But I love that, though. I love that. That's a really good device. It's kind of like what J.J. Um, Abrams talks about is the box, the mystery box. It's like you put this box out there and you say there's something in the box. I'm not going to tell you what it is, but it's really important. Right? And so the time travel in this is, is kind of like that. It's like we don't know how he's getting back there in time, but somehow he is, and then the yellow card man is involved. This this weird guy that's... Who's the guy that plays him? He's the guy that was in the Mummy movies. He played the sidekick guy that was that turned on him in the first Mummy movie. Uh, I can't remember the name of the guy. Well, um, Anyhow, he, he's really creepy. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I really love the way they recreated the time period. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you really feel like you're there. Yeah, one of the greatest things about traveling back to that time is just sitting there and watching people... Uh, uh, that 
the way the look on their face when they're eating the food from that time is like, right. mm, this is so much better. <laughs> so much better <laughs> than when it kills you faster. I haven't seen anybody freak out over pie <laughs> like that since Twin Peaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is a great piece May- of pie. Yeah, maybe Dean Winchester <laughs> on Supernatural, he loves pie. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So, um, anyhow, this is a, you know, it's a great series. Um, you ought to go check it out. Uh, like I said, the family, family video, it was at the dollar. I could get it for two bucks. Mm-hmm. So. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's also worth buying. You can get the Blu-ray set is. for about 30 bucks. Yeah. Um, but if you got Hulu, you know, go ahead and stream it on there. It's, it's on there. It's an original series. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it kind of sates your appetite for a good Stephen King adaptation. You haven't seen any of those in a oh, long I know. time. I know. Um, what was the last Stephen King adaptation that was actually pretty good? Oh, um... There have you been some stinkers, too. Yeah, a lot of stinkers. You know, they're Lovely kind of... stinkers. Look, yeah. stinkers are great. We love watching stinkers. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, that one was... That, that, that was really good. I think... Here's the thing about Stephen King is that recently, I think ever since the accident that he had, mm-hmm. his um, writing has gotten better. I think his writing has gotten so much better uh, since then. And I think it's because he's really, like, you know, I really want to pour myself into this and figure out what makes writing tick, you know. And it's just a great book. If you if you like to read, 112263 is a great book. I mean, it's... And it's even more in-depth. Um, the scene at the end with, with Oswald, when he finally confronts Oswald, um, is so much more um, terrifying in the book than it was in the series for me. Because, um, basically, I mean, that he looks at him, and when Oswald notices that he's there, there's this look on Oswald's face. He said something about being um, like a demon looking at him, like this horrifying monster was just you know, wanting to kill him. And um, that that was really that was really cool. I really like the book, the way King described all those things. So okay, so um, our dollar our dollar gem from from <laughs> from family video this week is it's actually not at family video. You you, you saw this on Netflix. What is it? It's called Splatter. Uh-huh. And it's only about <laughs> What a great name for a Yeah, and it stars, (laughs) and it stars uh, Corey Feldman as like this weird goth rocker named Johnny Splatter, and he basically decides he's gonna kill himself, and then he's gonna get revenge on all these people in his life: his shrink, his his uh, (laughs) manager, and his guitarist, and the groupie. And he goes. So it's out got. It's also him. got. It's also got. Um. Uh. It's got Tony Todd. Tony in it. Todd in it. Who? Who? I love Tony Todd, but man, he was so bad in this. Uh, <laughs> he's. He, he's really. If good. If you didn't know, he did the voice of uh, Zoom in season two of The Flash. Right, and he also played uh, earlier back. He played a movie. Played a character called Candyman, which still Candyman still yes. high, still frightens me. <laughs> yeah. wants my dreams which is basically day. he was basically like Bloody Mary you say his name in the mirror three right. times yeah. and he comes back and um, kills you but Tony Todd man also um, Worf's brother right yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, but <laughs> my Star favorite Trek. one of my favorite parts of this show is when 
the the lead guitarist who he's getting revenge on him plugs in the electric car and it like blows his ears out and he's like bleeding on his ears and he falls on the floor <laughs> and and Corey and Corey Feldman stands over him and goes, uh, "This is from 2009 and you still get these lines from this." He stands over him and says. Killer solo, dude. <laughs> True Corey Feldman fashion. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's almost like when he, you know, in the Burbs, where he's like the pizza dude. <laughs> yeah. But it's it's just it's so bad. The special effects, the the set, the lighting, and they use a fish lens for half the film. Oh my god. Uh, it's it's <laughs> it's just absolutely terrible. For, for, okay. But it's only said, twenty-one minutes long, so. You s- you said that it, it uses a fish lens for a fish half, lens. for half the film. It's almost half of it. Almost, almost half. half. For for certain scenes, they is use a, a fish pers- lens. It's is it weird. a perspective shot? Like they're mm-hmm. look- not. Well, they're kind of like looking. You're kind of looking at them. They're not really looking at the camera. They're kind of just <laughs> looking around. It is really weird. And what's bad about this is this is 2009, and it's directed by Joe Dante, the director. Joe Dante, the director of Gremlins. What? What? And he's uh, like he must have really fallen on hard times. If this is okay. what he's doing now. Well, actually, let's um, let me let me give you a little bit of uh, uh, history here, as far as like film history. Um, Joe Dante, along with um, several other directors of that era, like Joe Dante, um, uh, Jonathan Denny, um, you know, who did uh, Silence of the Lambs, you know, all these were actually, back in the 70s, they made a lot of movies for Roger Corman to get their start. What really baffles me... <laughs> oh, yeah, this is, is produced that by Roger Corman, Back to Roger Corman to do a movie. You know, I mean, Roger Corman is notorious for making really low-budget, horrible mm-hmm. films um, that we love to watch, though, because they're so bad. Because, um, you know, Richard and I are both really big fans of, you know, Mystery Science Theater... You know that kind, of, and and what's great about these movies is you can watch them and just riff through the whole movie, and we yeah, just he, love. He made Shark to Puss, by the way. <laughs> shark to Puss. There's no such thing as a Shark to Puss, is what a guy says. And in then there. it eats him. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, oh yeah, I am alive. See me, I am Shark to Puss. Yeah. Hear me roar. Yeah, he pulls a guy off the side of a boat, and the guy goes, "No, I don't want to die. Not like this." <laughs> That's what I would. That's what I would say if I was going to be eaten by, <laughs> yeah, a, by a sharktopus. I think I would just say that, or I would just scream. There's no such thing as a sharktopus. Okay, well, this has been uh, three-cylinder star drive. I'm Roger Colby. I'm Richard Coots.